This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The following is transcribed. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, when Superman returns to the Daily Planet in his guise of Clark Kent, he and reporter Lois Lane make a startling discovery. Where is Jim, Lois? He's not in my office. He must be, Clark. I saw him But he isn't, I tell you. See for yourself. Good heavens, you're right. Of course. Now, where could he... he came in here just a few minutes ago to telephone. I've been sitting right outside the door, and he he didn't come out. And how do you explain his not being here? Well, I... I can't explain it. He... He he just disappeared. Gang, I'm sure you've all seen Abbott and Costello in the movies. Well, do you recall how those poor guys always take it on the chin? Yes, I do mean always. Why, if there's a bucket of glue a mile off, you just know they're going to fall in it. And if custard pies are being thrown, you just know who's going to get hit in the face. Yet, you always laugh. Because naturally, a fall guy is very, very funny. Well, what do we mean by fall guy? Just exactly that. The guy who falls for everything. The stooge. The bird who puts his foot into it by swallowing what other people tell him. Oh, sure, there's plenty that's likable about some fall guys. Mostly, though, we just laugh at them. But certainly nobody wants to be a fall guy in real life. But without knowing it, lots of people are. For instance, when you swallow phony rumors about persons whose race or religion is different from your own, you're being a fall guy for the troublemakers. And when you allow prejudice to influence your opinion of another fellow, uh uh-uh, watch out, you're being a fall guy. Or when you fail to look for character as the most important quality in your friend, which is much more important than what side of the tracks they live on, just remember, pal... In funny movies, people like Abbott and Costello are always getting in Dutch for trusting the wrong people. In other words, don't let mean people with mean ideas ever take you for a sucker. Yes, sir, be alert, be alive, be on your own. Know which way you're going, and that way you won't ever be the fall guy who goes kerplunk in a bucket of glue. And now, the adventures of Superman. By some strange means as yet undetermined, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen has apparently been receiving tips on sensational news stories from a tiny bronze figure he calls a genie and is now being hailed at the Daily Planet as a great reporter. 
Warned by Abdul, the mysterious man who gave him the genie, Jimmy has refused to reveal the source of his tips. But Clark Kent, who unknown to all is Superman, is convinced that some unknown person is out to take Jimmy's life. Telling Lois Lane not to let Jimmy out of her sight, Kent left to follow up a clue. But when he returned to the Daily Planet a short time later, Jimmy, who had been contacted by the genie during Kent's absence, had mysteriously disappeared. Now in Kent's office, Lois Lane, the girl reporter, stares about her in bewilderment. But I tell you, Jim went in here to telephone, and he didn't come out, Clark. Wait a minute. I think I know how he got out without your seeing him, Lois. How? Come over here to this window. The window? Uh Look, there's a wide ledge outside, see? Now, Jim could have crawled along that to the storeroom. Oh, yes. And got out through there to the freight elevator. Yes, of course. I'll bet that's what he did, Clark. Now that I remember, he did his best to get rid of me before. He did, eh? Yes, you see, when he got it through his head that he wasn't leaving here without me, he said he had a dinner date with a girlfriend. Girlfriend? Yes, and I insisted on going along with him. Finally, he said he'd call her up and find out if that would be all right. Uh So he came in here to your office and, well, you know the rest. If only I did know the rest, Lois. This girl might have promised him another big story. She might even be working for Abner Quinn. Abner Quinn? Oh, he's Jim's cousin, isn't he? Yes, a distant cousin. You remember, I told you their mutual uncle left Jim $10,000, which he inherits unless something happens to him before tomorrow, in which case the money goes to Abner Quinn. Oh, Clark, surely you don't think... I'm not just thinking, Lois. I'm suspicious. Quinn is a bad lot, and I'm certain those big scoops Jim got so mysteriously were traps but designed now, to take his life. Now, look, Clark, you don't have a bit of proof of what you're saying. I know it, And but... yet you're willing to accuse this Abner Quinn, a man you've never even seen, of being a would-be murderer. I'm not actually accusing him, Lois, well, you but I do... you certainly are. Oh, excuse me this minute. It's my phone. Hello? No, Jim isn't here. I don't know where he is, Beanie. Yes, I'll tell him. So long. Well, I gather Beanie doesn't know where Jim is either, hmm? No, he said he called him at home, but... Hey, what's that? What? Did you hear that rattling noise? Oh, yes. Yes, it sounds... Seems to be coming from my desk drawer. Oh, what in blazes is this? It's a little carved box. Yes, and the rattling is coming from it. That's the box Jim had. Well, what's it doing in my desk? I don't know, but it was rattling that way when I saw him with it, but he refused to tell me what was in it. He just acted very strangely when that rattling began. Great Scott, I wonder... What's in that box, Clark? Go on, open it. Look. Why, what on earth? You know what this little bronze figure is? Well, it has the head of a man with horns and the body of of a sheep. A ram. All right, a ram. What's it supposed to be? A genie. A genie? Sure, you know, one of those mythical creatures who's supposed to be able to make your wishes come true. Wait a minute, I don't get it. How could this little bronze figure, I mean... How could it tip Jim off to his big news scoops? Why, yes, of course it couldn't, but... Oh, yes, it could, and it did, Lois. What? Have you gone mad, Not at all. I just haven't been as observant as I should have been the last couple of days. Here, wait, and I'll show you. What are you looking for under your desk? I want to get something that's stuck onto the underside. There you are. Now, here's the answer, Lois. Why, what's that gadget? A miniature shortwave radio receiver. A radio receiver? Uh Uh-huh, fixed with a suction cup so that it would adhere to a flat surface. Good heavens. Somebody, and I have a hunch who it was, stuck it to the underside of my desk. And then talking from nearby, probably through a walkie-talkie transmitter, he sent his voice into my office here. So made Jim think the genie was talking to him. Oh, now, Jim wouldn't fall for that. I'm afraid he did, Lois. Since he found it so necessary to shake you, I assume he must have gotten another tip. Now, wait a minute, Beanie said a man wearing a turban and earrings who called himself Abdul brought Jim a card box like this a few days ago. Yes. Since then, I found out that Abner Quinn is an actor. So my hunch is that he posed as Abdul, gave Jim this figure and some cock-and-bull story planning to lead him into a trap. But why? To get rid of him and get Jim's $10,000 inheritance for himself. Oh, Clark, stop it. You're scaring me. I'm scared myself, Lois. 
I tried to find Quinn, but he'd moved from his third-rate theatrical hotel without leaving a forwarding address. I've got Candy Myers on his trail, but Candy may or may not find him in time. Now, listen closely. Yes, Clark? You call Inspector Henderson. All right. Tell him everything I've told you, and tell him to turn loose every detective he can to look for Abner, Quinn, and Jim. Yes? You stay right here in case Candy Myers calls. All right, but where are you going? I'm going to look for Jim in my way. You'd better pray hard that I find him in time. Hurrying from his office, Clark Kent steps into the storeroom, swiftly resumes his true identity of Superman, and leaps high from the window into the night sky to begin his search for Jimmy Olsen. Up! Up! And away! A short time later, just before midnight, the young cub reporter himself alights from a taxi at the gates of the Riverside Amusement Park and approaches the cashier's window. Oh, uh, one ticket, please. Closing up in a few minutes, bud. Well, that's all right. Give me a ticket anyhow, please. Okay. Here you are. Thanks. Uh, look, which way is the Tunnel of Fear? Tunnel of Fear, straight up the midway, first turn to the right. You won't have time to get a... That's okay. I don't know if I want to ride. Thanks, mister. A few minutes later, the brilliant varicolored lights are dimmed. The concessions and rides start closing up, and the last of the crowds are streaming toward the exit gates as Jimmy pauses before the dark and deserted tunnel of fear. Just beyond the ticket cage at the landing platform, three empty gondolas bob on the narrow blackish water which winds in a canal toward a long, low tunnel. Staring about him but seeing no one, Jimmy steps uncertainly onto the landing platform, then starts as a voice speaks to him out of the darkness. Good evening, Saib Olsen. Twirling around, Jimmy makes out a tall man wearing a long robe, a turban wound around his head and small bright stones in his ears. And then, taking a step nearer, Jimmy gasps as he recognizes the man. Why, why, you're the man who gave me the genie. You're Abdul. Amazed, the young cub reporter stares at the tall, turbaned figure and wonders what Abdul is doing here. We'll be back in a moment for the tense climax of today's episode. So keep listening. Listen, gang, the other day I found a reefer which seemed just about half ebbly, so I unlocked the silver sill and bonked the peppers beat. What's that? You didn't catch what I said? Why, it's perfectly simple. All I said was the other day I found a reefer which... <laughs> okay, gang, I'll stop. You probably guessed I was trying to talk double talk. Say, have you ever heard a real whiz give out with a double talk? I have. Gosh, they can go on for five minutes before it suddenly dawns on you they're talking gibberish. And, of course, the reason for that is they interlace their nonsense with just enough familiar words and phrases. That's how they fool you. And that's how a lot of people get roped into believing false notions. Slick talkers have a knack for using familiar important words and phrases. Good meaningful words maybe like uh, uh, Americanism, civic duty, strong healthy country. Nothing the matter with words like that. Good worthwhile words, all of them. Except it all depends on how they're used. These double talk jokers I'm referring to have a way of misusing them. For instance, they'll talk about a strong, healthy USA, but they sandwich into their chatter so many vicious, false ideas that what they really mean is a weak, divided USA. Oh, you've probably heard them. Insults against people of another religion, narrow-minded prejudices, two-bit opinions about everything and everybody. Why, half the time they get so wound up, they don't know where their own ideas are taking them. You know, gang, there's a lovely, expressive word for what comes out of their mouths. We call it gobbledygook. <laughs> The word doesn't make sense, but then neither do they. Uh, 
now, back to the adventures of Superman. It is midnight in an amusement park, and on the dark, deserted landing platform at the entrance to the Tunnel of Fear, Jimmy Olsen has met Abdul, the strange man who had presented him with the genie, Shushaya. Gosh, what, what are you doing here, Abdul? Shushaya instructed me as he did you. Get into the boat, please. We must proceed. Oh, to get my scoop, huh? Of course. Okay. Let's go, Abdul. Say, uh, where are you taking me? We are going into the tunnel of fear. There you will find your great newspaper story and immortality. Immortality? The genie said that, too. Just how did he mean that? That side... You will discover for yourself very soon. Despite himself, a small cold chill runs down Jimmy Olsen's spine at Abdul's words. But he quickly shakes himself out of it as he recalls that it was, after all, Abdul who had presented him with the tiny genie, which already has granted him two sensational scoops and caused his salary at the Daily Planet to be doubled. So Jimmy smiles and sits up eagerly as the gondola-like boat, with Abdul propelling it with a long oar, approaches the low black tunnel. What will happen now as Superman continues to search for his young friend? We'll find out in tomorrow's thrilling, smashing climax of our story, fellows and girls. So be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 10 of The Secret of the Genie on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a transcribed copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman adventure serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Adventure Parade, which follows in just a moment. And right after Adventure Parade, you will hear Tom Mix and his straight shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.